All right, Heather, A through Z. Mm, let's go with W. W. So with W, I don't know why you picked W. Okay, I'm going to have it. There's something with W. There's every time, like every episode lately, I've got something. I'm like, yeah, this would be great to talk about until we hit record and then I don't remember any of it. Um, W, W, W. Uh, After you're done, I have a question that starts with the W. Okay, well, what's your question that starts with the W? What is up with all this stuff with Jonathan Majors? Do you know anything? Okay. Uh, it's a complicated situation with it. So he has been accused of harassment and battery. Um, he has been indicted on harassment and domestic battery, but his lawyers say they've got proof that he didn't do it. And also apparently the person that accused him of it has apparently recanted also and said he didn't do it. Um, I don't know. There's any wow. number. There's any number of reasons for anything and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think it's the best defense in the world that to say like, oh, they recanted. I mean, I'm not trying to take cheap shots here, but like Ray Rice's wife tried to recant, and there was video of it happening. I mean, true. So there's any number of reasons why that happened. It could have been like she was mad, and maybe she was intoxicated, or maybe they were both intoxicated. And, you know, any number of situations that could have happened to where it could be like, I don't want to say a false allegation, but, you know, an, an allegation that might not have been founded in reality due to whatever was going on. Um, but it also could be that it did happen and, you know, she feels bad for getting in, in trouble because they're together or whatever and recants. You know, there's all kinds of scenarios that happen with stuff like that. Uh, I mean, like I said, the the lawyer was like, "We have proof it didn't happen." We've got he the the lawyer even implied that there was video evidence that it didn't happen, or he wasn't why it happened, or whatever. I mean, so it's I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where typically, whenever I bring up allegations or stuff like that, when I'm comfortable bringing them up, it's because there's a pattern or, you know, there's more explicit evidence or an investigation has happened, whether it be by a studio or something like that, that's even saying that this person's at fault. Um, but I mean, I mean, this, it's, it's so fresh, it's messy still. I see. You know? Okay. That and that's the kind of the problem with it is it's so fresh that it's you know, you you at, at times it's like you're getting like updates every fucking five minutes about some of that shit, you know. And whether or not they're accurate updates or not, that's a whole other story. Uh but I did see today he got indicted. So that means they did officially charge him with those crimes. Uh jeez. And 
Stuff like that doesn't typically happen if you're if your uh, complaining witness recants. Typically, the DA is not going to even want to touch that then because it doesn't matter how much evidence you got. If that person goes up on the stand and says, no, nah, it didn't happen like that, your case is shot 99% of the time. I mean, you know, and... So I I don't know. It's it's an extremely messy situation. All I know is I do know as of right now, the U.S. Army had commercials and PSAs with him in it. And they have, as of right now, pulled those until, you know, uh, further notice. As, uh, Man, I just... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's just insanely weird where we, like two weeks in a row, we were singing that guy's praises and then bam, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I first saw a notification came up on my phone, I just get new random news notifications. And I saw that and I was like, no, not him too. You know, like, especially because we were just, uh, we're so high yeah. on him, you know? And then for something like this to happen, I'm like, come on, man. Not you It's too, heartbreaking. Man. Yeah. Not when it's too. like somebody that you're like, they have so much potential. They seem like such a cool person and all this. And yeah. And then it just happens and you're like, great. There's another one. Yeah. At, so. at this point, that's why it's like, you can only trust people that have been in the industry for 50 years and. Just never even been a whisper of anything negative towards them. I know. We can't even find people for our council of good anymore. I mean, it's been a minute since we've had somebody. I mean. Because of stuff like this. And then, I mean, looking at this, though, I mean, it's like, it does make me thankful for people like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He's just been in the industry forever. And then he's like, oh, I feel like the crew deserves a lot more money here. Take my entire salary for this movie, yeah. crew. Or, oh, hey, a homeless man is sitting here alone on the stairs. I'm going to buy him a sandwich and eat with him. Yeah. Man, I found out somebody pointed this out online a while back, and I just never brought it up because just Keanu, we, we just weren't discussing him. But, man, when he takes pictures, he doesn't touch people no or he he doesn't touch them in any kind of sexually uh-huh. suggestive yep. way he doesn't hold around the waist he doesn't like he doesn't touch people nope. he puts his hand around there and leaves them out just kind of open he will not touch anybody in any kind of like sexually suggestive or any kind dude. of way like that well and i a- was like Wow, uh-huh. like he sh- he's shared all these yeah. photos I know of exactly him taking pictures about. with other women and his hands never were around them. Never. He was never touching them like, like that. Even up on the shoulders like like a side hug. He doesn't do it like Yeah. Uh yeah. yeah. I mean, I even saw a video of like somebody back in like was like parallel parking and back ended into his like his motorcycle. And he was just like Oh man, that sucks. Like he just was like, <laughs> oh man. Like he was just like you know, wasn't even like upset about. It. Like he was like he was parked on the street and he was like somewhere eating or something. 
and then comes out and the cops are there and all this other stuff. And he just walks into somebody had hit his bike. He's just like, man, he's, I love that man. He was just so the coolest person, even keel. And like, yeah. Uh, it's funny though, Justin, you brought that up. Um, so do you guys remember the, the, the kids showed the wiggles? Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah. Just, you know, all the, the, the people in the colorful turtlenecks. Mm. Yeah. Still going in Australia, by the way. I mean, they are Australian, but like, yeah, still going highly strong there. Um, the reason why they always took pictures like this with their hands up, um, just in general, in anything, whether it was press photos by themselves or like if there were children or anything like that, they did that specifically, like at least the rumor mill was, or I think one of the members of the band confirmed it, was that if there were kids in the pictures, no one could even like visually suggest in a picture that they were doing anything inappropriate. That's it's smart. like you could always just see their hands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is kind of sad that that is the world we live in, that that, that has to be a thing, but... It's, it's, it is the world we live in. So anything you can do to just no matter what safeguard yourself from any sort of allegations when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. You kind of have to like, especially in those scenarios, like it's what happens. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So not only is it the gentleman thing for him to do, but it's also the smart thing for him to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I just thought that that was like a cool thing about him that I did not realize. And then you looking at all these pictures and I'm like, man, I never even noticed that, you know. Does he still have that one girlfriend? I hope so. I think so. That was the yeah. other weird thing about everything when everybody's like, oh, Keanu, he's got an older girlfriend. And it's like, well, he, he's. He's just dating somebody his age. Like it's not He's got an age appropriate girlfriend. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even want to say it's age appropriate, but it's just it's just somebody his age. Like Yeah, it's somebody his age. He just doesn't look as old as he is, is what it is. Yeah, he is an immortal vampire. Yeah, he definitely is. That man is fifty seven years old. It's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. Like it's one another little thing, another little thing about Keanu that I think is fantastic and, and not talked about enough is in the in the, especially in this movie, and I noticed it in some of the other John Wick movies, at least three. Uh but like I I really like that he is he's very in shape, but he's not like Marvel movie dehydrated cut like he's just in shape yeah I'm like ah thanks Keanu for even having slightly realistic body standards I mean <laughs> right it's still insane because you're 57 so it's slightly unrealistic because you're 57 and look like that but at least it's like you know what I mean it's not like that dehydrated like thing that a lot of people do in these movies where it's like, Oh, I didn't drink water for three days before shooting right. this scene to make sure the veins cut ever so extra. 
I know yeah. Henry Cavill no, talked about that on The Witcher. Like that scene where Geralt is 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 in the bathtub and he's like extra veiny muscular. He was like he hadn't had a drink of water in like two days to achieve that. Oh wow. man. I'm like, see, that's a bad thing because you know it's water. Like it's it's hydration. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like if you if you have to do that to get that standard or to show that off, that is the definition of unrealistic. Like, because yeah, that is by definition dangerous. Like, dehydrate yourselves to look extra lean. Like, come on, stop it, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why some people, and really I've even seen some bodybuilders and fitness people talk about that. You can't believe just every picture that you see when a person is posing or you see this picture of this person with these perfect abs and stuff like that. It's like a lot of times in those photos, that is like you like you're saying, that is a person who did very specific things, maybe a couple of days just before that photo shoot to look like that. But nobody's just walking around looking like that. Even some bodybuilders are like, this is how I look normally. And they'll share a picture and then they'll go, this is how I looked for a photo shoot. And it'll be, and it'll be a big difference. And he's like, yeah, because there's certain editing sometimes that go lighting that goes into these things. There's, you know, I do certain things to look like that, but this is nothing that I would sustain like every day, you know, there, there are certain specific things we do in order to make ourselves look like we look in that picture, but that is not an achievable thing for you. You know, you got to understand that sometimes. And there, there are people that have actually talked about that. And I was like, huh, you know, that's good of them to be some of them to be honest in that way. Cause it's true. You know, there are, you know, people will look at that stuff and go, man, why can't I look like that? Well, there are reasons why that have nothing to do with working out or what you're doing in the gym. I mean, if I completely changed my life and just didn't do anything like I do, I feel like I could realistically maybe achieve Keanu Reeves' body. I don't think no matter what the fuck I do, am I going to end up like Michael B. Jordan? I don't give a fuck what I do. I don't think I'm ever going to get that. But I think if I if I really put like 125% of myself into changing everything, I might be able to achieve peak. My peak would be Keanu Reeves. And I'm like, see, that's, yeah. that means it's kind of achievable. I'm not going to do it. But I'm like, that's good to know that I, I feel like I could. I don't even yeah. feel like I necessarily have to change everything. I'd have to actually, you know, work out and eat right and all that shit. And I could probably, you know, if I stay dead, I think that should be what it is. If I stay dedicated, I could, you know, maybe hit a Keanu Reeves. But then I, yeah. I have like Snickers ice creams bar in my freezer and those are delicious. So <laughs> True. And sometimes that just sounds better. So It does. Yes, it does. And, and that's the thing. That's why you can't just always judge a body just based on how it looks like. 
Um, I think Triple H said this one time, or, or or maybe I'm abridging what he said, but he said, you know, there are bodies for show, and then there are bodies for go, and sometimes those things are completely different things. You know, you may see a person and go, man, look how ripped they are or she is and everything like that. And then there'll be this other person who may not have those muscles, who may not have those veins, but in a race, when it comes to stamina, when it comes to even, we've even seen that in the UFC and boxing and stuff like that. The person looks less in shape, but clearly in the fight, that person is actually in better shape or that person has more stamina or that person wins. And it's like, dang, well, they didn't, they may not have looked like the winner, you know, in a bodybuilding contest, but that's not what this is. You know, look at every NFL lineman ever. True. Like gigantic people. Like I'm not in shape, but physically speaking, if you just in generally looked at me and an offensive lineman, you would think maybe I'm in better shape than they are. They could beat me in every performable metric ever. Yeah. Endurance, just breathing, just anything. They could beat me hands down, not even trying, you know, like, yeah, it's because, yeah, they're bulky, but that there's a lot of, and you know, like you said, it might not be, ripped muscle but there is a ton of fucking muscle right back there just feasting all day yeah yeah and and people don't understand that that's why it's not good to always compare yourself or just or anybody or compare two people and be like oh this person is sometimes it's just not always a visual thing of who's better and i've been told that before one time, a wrestler friend of mine was like, well, your opponent looks better than you. And I'm like, well, well, that depends on what you mean by, wh- what do you mean by looks better? Like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, well, is that, was he more athletic than me? Can he, does he have the flexibility I have? Can he, does he have the stamina I have? Like, so much goes into it than just looks. But I think sometimes people get fixated on that. And I've been told, and it's funny because a, a, a friend of mine told me that, right? But that same person I wrestled was like, after the match we had was like, how are you not even tired, man? Like, how are you not even breathing hard? And, you know, so this person you're bragging about who you said looked better than me was actually kind of complimenting me for my stamina that he didn't have. So, you know, it's just funny to me, you know, people just, it, what it boils down to, I think, is people really just don't understand physical fitness and stuff like that. And a lot of that is society's fault. We push these unrealistic standards on people. We say, oh, if you look this way, therefore it means, and it's just not true, you know? Well, look at every world's strongest man competition. Rarely are they cut. True. Rarely. True. Yeah. They've got mass. Like, yeah, they've got big ass muscles, but they, they also have mass. Cause like a lot of that helps with the fact that like, if you have more mass, it's a lot easier sometimes to 
you know, encompass things that have big mass. If you're having to pick up something that might be really big and like the big Atlas ball things they have to pick up sometimes. Like, you know, if you're completely just all muscle and everything like that, like they can't always do that stuff, you know, like, and it's the reason why none of the people that are like Mr. Olympia are also world's strongest men. Like kind of like you were saying, (laughs) Justin muscles for show and muscles for go. Yeah. That's a real thing. I mean, yeah, look and at Mark Keanu Henry. has those go muscles, you know, Keanu. He does. That's what it is. He's got the go. That fool can go. It ain't all about show with him. He can go. And he does. I mean, just watch a John Wick movie. Just goes. One of these days, I'll remember what the fuck I was going to talk to you guys about. Not today, though. But, hey, we talked about some stuff. So you guys ready to talk about the movie? I had your back this time. You did, Justin. You saved the category because I had no (laughs) fucking clue what I was going to, like, I figured you guys would bring up Jonathan Majors, though. And then when you didn't, I was like, shoot, okay, here we go. Well, the only reason is, is like I said, I'm kind of torn because, like, right now it's just allegations and it's messy. And mm-hmm. when you brought it up and I, we started, once we started talking about it, I was like, well, as long as we acknowledge that it's messy and yeah. nothing is determined, there's no direct evidence as of right now, one way or the other, it's, you know, we'll find out more in the coming weeks and months and, you know, time. I think it's slightly fair then, you know, I just yeah. don't want to be one of those and things like fuck Jonathan Majors, he beats women. And then it comes out, it was some other guy, but it was like a big tussle with a bunch of people and it was some other guy that did it and he just ended up taking the blame because he was the last one standing there or something. Right. True, true. And I don't want to insinuate at all that, oh, I think he's guilty or anything like that either. You know, but it's just, you hate to see it, man. Like like It was just very jarring yeah, yeah, coming off of the last couple months of Jonathan Majors, like, peak greatness of films and stuff. Yeah, and I'm excited for what's to come for him. So I would hate for this, for the information to come out and it derail just all the momentum that this guy has right now, which you could argue in Hollywood, he's got he's probably got as much momentum as anybody, as anyone does, you know, that is hot right now. And so you would just hate to, to see that derailed. If it comes, if, if this stuff winds up, if these allegations and everything wind up being true. So you hope it doesn't, but anytime it's something like this, where it's teetering, there's that chance that it could be. And I guess that's the part that's unsettling. You're not wrong. Oh, all right. You guys ready for a movie? Talk about a movie. Yes. Yeah. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. 
Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the brand new movie, John Wick Chapter 4. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. And with all that, uh, Heather, what, what are your thoughts about John Wick Chapter 4? Chapter 4. I honestly, I really liked this one. Um, I, yeah, this is up there for me. I mean, I like all of the John Wick movies, but for me, like, even though this was definitely like the longest film in the franchise, I really enjoyed this film. Like, I just, I thought, um, sure, it could have stood to be maybe a little bit shorter, but the different characters, the supporting characters that they have in this film are by far my favorite supporting characters they've had in a John Wick film. Um, I like how they're fleshed out. I like just the types of characters that they are. And I think that that really helped me to put this like, as like a top tier John Wick film. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was really well done and it's visually awesome, which I kind of already expected from the John Wick movies. And of course the action is amazing. And like <laughs> at some points in these, like even these super long, like action sequences that they're doing, I'm just like, everything is so well choreographed. <laughs> like it's all just so well done and just entertaining to see like how they're going to just come up with something for it, you know, like that goes that long. Like it was just really cool. And there was a lot, a lot of action in this. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought that worked really well. Um, you know, I think that it's a, it, it, the story itself was pretty interesting. Um, I honestly, I didn't really find myself getting bored at this movie at all for it being an almost three hour movie. Um, and it is because they do have almost nonstop action. It seems like for the most part. Um, yeah, they just, they just have really great characters and building this like world that they're in, you know, with the the table and the, just all these things that they kind of make in this world are um it's just always been really cool and they they kind of continue that here and i think that bill skarsgård was a really good villain uh for the most part <laughs> there are some things with that that um i'll get into in spoilers that were um in an interesting choice to do but um donnie yen kind of stole the show for me and most scenes he was in he was amazing um uh he, what is his name that's in uh Hiroyuki, Hiroyuki Sonata I think is his name he is amazing like he's always amazing um yeah I just I think that every every character that they have here was so um and they weren't even like fleshed out to the point of you know, you don't get everybody's backstory or all of that necessarily, but you get what you need to know from these characters for you to care about them. So I really appreciated how they did that in this film. 
I have a couple of uh, nitpicks, a couple of things that I think would have been better done differently. But um, overall, yeah, I just, I really, I thought this was a, a really fun, great action film. And um, I mean, if I'm putting it, if I'm categorizing it in the series of John Wick films, it's probably my second favorite John Wick film. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Justin, what about you? All right. So after the, so my favorite John Wick up to this point was the third one. You know, I thought that out of the three, that it was, I think that overall, when I looked at the three, it had the best fighting. I thought that the the avenues that it took with the story and giving us a little bit more of a glimpse of where John Wick came from and things like that. I like that. Some characters who didn't get to be in on the action got to be in on the action like Lance Reddick's character. Um, and overall, I just thought that the fight scenes were just breathtaking and just absolutely amazing. And some of those fight scenes are some of my favorite fight scenes from a John Wick series. So I didn't think that there was a way to top the third movie. I thought, I felt like, you know, this is probably going to be peak John Wick. Anything else they do after this, I don't see how they're going to top it. And my goodness, man, I walked out of this fourth movie and I think they did. I, I think that they topped the third one. And I don't know how they did it. I don't know. I don't know how they were able to accomplish that. But I feel like they did. I feel like they did. I think that when I look at this movie, I think that the fight scenes were 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 so awesome in this. They did so many different things, rotating camera, overhead camera. I mean, that th- we were going upstairs and we were fighting and it was awesome. I mean, I swear, like John Wick just took just about any everyday activity, driving, going upstairs, <laughs> um, <laughs> visiting a, a place. Like I, they turn almost anything into a fight scene at this point when it comes to John Wick. And it was just all of the fight scenes were amazing just what was going on visually, what was going on technically. I just marveled at what I was seeing. And I mean, there, there are just some fight scenes that I think will stand out to me. I agree with you, Heather. The, the, the supporting characters in this are my favorite supporting characters now. Donnie Yen, man. Mr. Ip. The Ip Mon, dude. Like... Oh my God. I loved him in this. I loved him in this movie. Like I just absolutely adored him in this movie. And maybe that's where some of my leaning is, is that just Donnie Yen is one of my favorites. And so to have him in this, in a John Wick with the choreography here and everything they did with him, I just loved him. And I loved this character Kane and I felt like they took the, they took a different approach with this character. Like 
he wasn't just a character that was there to oppose John Wick and that's it. I felt like there was a lot more to this character and the story with him, I felt like he was a lot more fleshed out. When I compare like this character to uh, characters like this or in the same positioning as this in, in the other series of movies, they did the best job with him. Like, I think if you put Kane up against like what would be his equal character in the other three John Wick movies, Kane comes out superior to those other characters, in my opinion. Um, and, and I think that the story got me in this one on emotional levels that the other movies didn't. I think that when, when the story came together and it was all said and done, this one hit me, I think, in ways, in, in a much more powerful way than I, than I don't, than the other John Wick films. Um, so I feel like the story, there were certain story aspects of this that are stronger. I felt like, man, I didn't even notice the length. I didn't even realize that this was the longest John Wick movie or anything like that. I was into it the whole time. I was just there the whole time, just on the edge of my seat the whole time. I thought that they just did a great job with everything, you know? Um, and I think that when I walked away from this, I was like, okay, is this the best John Wick? And I think it is. I I think when I add up everything, I think it just, it beats or edges out and all these movies are good, you know? So, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to just say one, which one is the best, but I think it's this one. I I think I enjoyed this one the most. I think, I, I think the fight scenes, were the most excellent in this. I think that the story and where this film winds up to me was the most impactful of the four films that we've had. And now I'm having a different conversation with myself. I've been talking to friends and people about, is this one of the greatest action movies of all time? Like I'm, we're having that discussion now because like, I just, Like when I think of certain action movies, I have this list of just movies that I love or movies that I think are like just pound per pound, some of the best, you know, and like, you know, I have certain movies are in that list, you know, House of Flying Daggers, um, some Jackie Chan movies are in there, you know, um, I have Enter the Dragon in there. Some other stuff is in there. But when I look at this, I feel like I walked out thinking that this is a movie I'm going to have to add to my list. Like, I think that this is just pound for pound. I, I don't know if I have seen a better action film in the past couple of years. I think it's that good. I think it was that strong. I think it was that impactful to me. I think the characters are that good. And ultimately, it just had such a great, satisfying ending as well an ending to me that just hit harder than the other films so yeah man i thought that this film was excellent and i think that it edges out the others as the best of the series i had john wick three in my list of greatest movies action movies of all time 
this movie is a hair under that. Unfortunately, Justin, I felt the length. I felt the length. And a lot of it has to do with one character specifically. And I'll get in that uh, in, in, in the spoilers. But I think if there's one character in this movie, and I think if you eliminate that character, the movie's fine. My cat disagrees with me, but that's fine. We can disagree in this household. Um, and in doing so, you shave maybe 15 minutes off of this movie. And I think that that would have put it in a better spot. Outside of that, though, for the most part, I do agree with you guys. When it comes to just pure action, this movie is the best. Um, while while Crane was a was a great side character, he's ever so slightly under Halle Berry to me. And really? Yes. Okay. I really, ever so slightly, ever so slightly. You're asking me to choose against Halle Berry. I mean, that's almost a losing fight no matter what. <laughs> um, but but wow, they were different okay. characters, though. You know what I mean? I I appreciated what what the Crane character brought as far as humor. Brought a lot of humor with that character and not in a, oh, I'm just going to say some jokes and make you laugh kind of way. Just with subtlety. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did say some jokes. Don't get me wrong. Said some jokes. But then there were just some things that they did with the character that was just, it was funny. And I liked it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not a spoiler. There's just a scene where some shit's going down and that guy's what, eating ramen? Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, I do like how in this movie they made it a little I Bill Skarsgård I think was one of the best versions of a villain in the John Wick franchise because it was just yep. pure villainy there was you know I don't want to say like the other villains weren't but he was like all the other villains combined and just that sheer Menacing thing. Yeah, villainousness. Mm-hmm. But I think, like I said, it's one character in the length that kind of weared on me a little bit. And if it wasn't for those, I'd probably be right there with you. Those things, I think, were just enough, like I said, to put this a hair under for me. And I am a Wiccasexual. I get sexually aroused by John Wick movies. Um, <laughs> and this one still achieved that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I And I think it's, if this is the last one, it's a damn good finale. I think most other series of movies, especially once you hit four, wish they could even get like, a third of what they were able to achieve in this movie. And if it's not the last, it's I'm still completely loving the direction they're going 
with the franchise. Uh, and I'm really kind of interested to see where some of this stuff goes. I mean, this fall uh, on Peacock, we've got the Continental series coming out, which is following Winston and Charon uh, in the 1970s at the Continental. Uh, then there's also, a, it's either a series or a movie. I don't know which, or I can't remember which off the top of my head, I should say. Um, coming out that takes place between movies two or movies three and four with uh, Ana de Armas as uh, with the ballerina. I think it's a movie. Uh, yeah, which is going to be based more around his, the uh, the Russian family that he is a part of. Um, in the movies and stuff. Uh, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm very much excited about those. Cause I mean, even if I've got some nitpicks with the length and stuff like that, I mean, this is, this is a damn good, fantastic fucking movie though. I mean, the sheer create, uh, I thought that they might still be able to elevate things, but I did not think that they could get, more creative with how they just present action. I thought this franchise had already more or less redefined what a fight scene in a movie should look like. And then they go in this movie and they kind of redefine just how a story can be told through action. And they had already to me done that. I think just throughout, you know, they were going from John Wick one, two to three they had still kept evolving and kind of pushing the boundaries of telling a story through action set pieces and, and fighting choreography. And then they blew it all out the water with this. They just went, Hey, if you had any doubt in your mind that we can redefine what you would classify as a classic, timeless action set piece. We're going to do it. We're going to do it a couple of times. We're going to give you options of what kind of action set piece you want to help define what action movies can be moving forward. Because you have that in this. You've got three or four action set pieces in this movie that could just be the blueprint for action movies for a decade. And the the cinematography also mind boggling. I mean, I thought they I thought the sets and the the way these movies were shot is always fantastic. But this movie the way they go Tokyo to the desert to Paris to just everywhere and each set and in, in, in location I don't know if they actually went to most of these places. They could have shot all on a fucking lot and just built some sets. I don't know, but I'll be damned if it didn't feel like you were traveling all around the world in this movie. This, this is one of the best though. I mean, I can't, I can't deny it. And if, especially if you two are especially saying you didn't feel the length like I did, I think I am a little bit more length sensitive than you guys. I, yeah. I still think the perfect movie is an hour and 37 minutes, but 
it still wasn't unbearably long. There, there are movies that have been shorter that felt way longer than this movie. And then there are movies that are longer than this movie that I'm like, oh my God, shoot me now. This is so fucking long. Yes, I'm looking at you, Avatar 2. <laughs> so, I mean, in this, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, if you're an aspiring filmmaker and you want to, and you want to learn how to make a movie that is fast paced, but not frantic and messy in doing so. There are infinitely worse examples than kind of taken after John Wick four. It did keep moving. At least it rarely ever slowed down. Now, not to say that it's just one, not, you know, it's not one just gigantically long action scene, but it's, they're just movements. There are moments to breathe to kind of reset you for the next adrenaline spike. So that way you get that full adrenaline rush with everyone. You know, you have to lull to get it back. Anybody that's gone like through like a marathon tattoo session knows that endorphin rushes and, and adrenaline spikes do not last forever. They don't. When they come, they're great. But once they crash and they crash because you've just been sustaining them for so long, you're just in hell. And this movie knew how to do it right. And I mean, it, and it just, it's, it's a statement about Keanu and the director, what Chad Stahelski or something like that with their dedication to this franchise and with what they're doing with movies. Like, I mean, say what you will about, you know, Keanu Reeves acting. There is literally no one on earth that could play John Wick better than Keanu Reeves. Yep. And on top of that, this is the fourth movie in the franchise debuted with the highest gross in the franchise. And that rarely ever happens. Most franchises, even big ones, by the time you get to like the fourth movie, have a dip in opening box office. You very rarely break through and have your largest on the fourth. Smashed. I mean, U.S. domestic box office on this for the opening weekend is $75 million. Its overall budget was only $100 million. Mm. This movie is golden. Like I said, that's just U.S. While we continue on, I'll look up worldwide. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, Lionsgate is just a little studio that could at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys ready for recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and scores. Uh, Justin, start us off. Yeah, it's I'm I'm not going to I'm going to be short and sweet on this part. It's because it, it's just I just can't wait to talk about what I was feeling in the spoilers. But, yeah, it's going to get the highest of recommendations from me. There's not a better action movie out right now. And like I said, man, I think that this is definitely the the best one. You know what I mean? This was all go on top of the show. 
you know what I mean, uh, to reference something we were saying earlier. Like, I just think it's like, it's just great, man, from top to bottom. The characters, how they thought out everything was great. The action was great and, and emotional and felt volatile and dangerous and just visually spectacular. I mean, it's everything that uh, it's, it's everything that any expectation I had of this, it was just blown away. And, and that doesn't often happen to me when I go to the movie theater. And so I have to hand it to this. This is, I think it's the best John Wick and it's easily one of the best movies I've seen all year. And I think it is one, it will stand the test of time as one of the greatest action movies ever made. So that's what I think. So yeah, you go see it, be a part of this conversation. If you've seen the other three, I know you've probably already seen it. So just let us know what you thought of it. But if you haven't, yeah, in uh, nothing that we say here is going to do singing the movie justice. A lot of these action sequences have to be seen to be believed. Like, I don't think we could spend five hours talking and we will not be able to paint of the, the picture with our words of what we saw visually on the screen. And it's worth seeing it in the movie theater. So you can get it all in full high definition sounds, every punch, every kick, every sound. You got to be able to experience this one on the big screen. Don't wait. Go see this shit. So with that being said, um, I think I gave the third John Wick a 90. So I'm going about three points higher for this one. It's not perfect. There may be one thing, and I wonder if we're talking about the same character. There may be one thing that I think is a weakness of the movie. But when I say that, I'll use the term loosely because even that, because I only say weakest in comparison to how strong everything else was. So this element was weak, but it wasn't weak enough for me to dip this under the uh, anything under 90 is just absurd for this, you know, for this film. I think it's definitely deserving of that. So we're going to go, uh, we're going to go 93. Man, Donnie Yen was absolutely amazing as Kane. Kane, Kane, Kane stole the show out of 100. Man, I really enjoyed this film. Heather, what about you? Yeah, this movie is just like, it has a, just a very epic feel to it. Um, and just in general, like for me, I would say that the John Wick films is like the best set of action movies ever. Like, I think they're really, really good. And and it's funny too, because like I, I was on the same page with you guys of like the third one being the best but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of back and forth on it too, because part of me kind of does want to put this just a tad bit over it just because of how much I loved all of the supporting characters in it. Um, so I don't know. I'm I might have to I might have to do it. You know, amend you do what it. I said and just say tell the truth, this Heather. is the just best. Tell the truth. One. Tell the truth, yeah. Um, this is just a tad bit more I guess I would maybe Depending on the day, but today, I guess I'll say that it is the best one. Um, 
And honestly, a huge part of that is because of Donnie Yen. Like he's just undeniable in this movie in a lot of ways. Um, but I, it's interesting because I was, I was, you know, looking at reviews and hearing people talk about this movie and someone I, I heard brought up that this movie is, it's an action movie made by people who are passionate and love like action and the choreography of it and the filmmaking aspect of how you do action films. And that is why these movies are so good. Every one of them. And that was the best way I'd heard it put because it makes total sense. It's like, yeah, you're right. These are people who have dedicated so much time and so much of their lives to this type of thing. Like it makes sense that these would be as good as they are. And I think that this really just kind of further proves that with these movies. So yeah, it's, I do definitely recommend it. I think it's a great action film. Um, there's just, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. It's like, some of the things that they do in these scenes, you're just like, what? <laughs> How is this even a thing you can pretend you can do? Like, it's just, it's so, so well done. Um, you know, just, yeah. And, and the dynamics between John Wick with all of these characters that he encounters throughout the film are also so good. Um, yeah, he's, there's just, yeah, you're right too, Sterling, that nobody can play John Wick the way that Keanu does like he because I, I feel like essentially Keanu Reeves is John Wick just less violent in real life <laughs> like he's just like the peaceful version of John Wick just in real life but like I don't know he it's he's just got there's something about him that you just if you didn't love him before like you watch these movies and you just love him more you know yeah it's it's a great great movie it's, I mean, and yes, it does have flaws. It does have some things that, you know, I would probably say, yeah, maybe I do it a little differently or didn't care for as much. But again, like that is a very, like, I, I'm, I have to think of things that I would find wrong with this film. So yeah, I, um, I think I do put this probably in the top spot very, very barely. It's like really neck and neck, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give this movie uh I think I might give it yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a, a ninety-five fights in the street with everybody all at the same time out of a hundred. The funny thing is is with you guys giving your scores. I forgot that my range of what I allow for in a John Wick movie is still different than y'all's. Uh, Cause I'm like, it's not the best one. It's just slightly under. And my scores higher than both of y'all still higher. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. Well, Cause I remember how highly you rated 99, the third right? one. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I give the third yeah. one a 99. Yeah. So just a hair under is still higher than both of you guys, <laughs> but I don't like the movie as much as you guys. That's the weirdest thing about it. Uh, We've never had this problem before, Sterling. Right. <laughs> this is the first time. Uh, I do recommend it. Um, I looked it up. This movie right now, opening weekend, is the third highest grossing movie of the year. Oh, wow. It is just nice. under. Great. It's just under Ant-Man and Creed 3. Uh, it passed Scream. 
almost, I guess, instantly. I mean, Scream's been out for, what, a couple of weeks, and yeah, this is already yeah. gross more than that. Um, which is saying, it's saying a lot, though, that number three and four are both rated R movies. That is saying a lot. That's a big change from a lot of things. Like, But yeah, this is, you know, it's sitting at $150 million, roughly. I think 149 I think, overall. And it's opening weekend as a rated R movie, almost instantly profitable. Just right away. Uh, but yeah, it's, it really is funny because, uh, my hair under for me is a, uh, 96 nunchucks to the face <laughs> out of a nice. hundred. Um, so that gives this movie the official cine score of a 95. Awesome. Yes. Which I think that has to be the highest. It might be the highest. I can actually find out right now if that is the highest. Uh, Yeah, that is the highest. The highest we had gone before this is a 93. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. The official highest Cinescored movie is a, it's John Wick four. Um, Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. The buttons are just so sensitive. Uh, okay. Character. Uh, in the movie, they call him Mr. Nobody. In IMDb, they call him Tracker. Kind of feel if you just get rid of him from the movie, it's fine. He, he just didn't add enough to me. And I think that there was a little bit too much time dedicated to him. I mean, don't get me wrong. They were some cool scenes, you know, like when the marquee stabs him in the hand and is like, you can either pull the knife off or pull your hand out, you know, it's a cool little scene, but they just kind of spent a lot of time on that guy. And I just don't think it really mattered in the end. I think if you had just cut a lot of that out, it would have been fine. And you would have saved 15 minutes. That's the character I was thinking of, Justin. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say the same. I was going to say out of the all of the characters, I thought that. And I think that he was really just a little too similar to Holly Berry with the skill set and the dog, except instead of two dogs, we just have one now. And I don't know. I just kept thinking about Holly Berry. And I thought maybe. Um, he was going to say something like he trained with her or was a relative of hers or they knew each other somehow or they went to the same school of dog chicanery, kickassery or something. You know, I thought that there was going to be some relation there. And I, I just couldn't, st- and maybe because the skill set was too similar with the dog and everything like that, so even though I, I, now I didn't hate the tracker character, I thought it was kind of cool that there was this person who just had this innate ability to be able to find him and, you know, the table saw value in him. But at the same time, I liked the, the character sort of trying to play the table and get as much as he could out of them. It was kind of refreshing to see a henchman, I guess, sort of character sort of manipulate them in a way. So I thought that that was kind of cool. I guess you couldn't even really call him a henchman. He was more neutral, I guess you could say. 
But yeah, he just kept reminding me of Holly Berry. And all I kept thinking was, I wish that this was Holly Berry instead of this guy. You know, I wish he was there. She was there instead of him. Yeah. You know, I think part of it is too, is it's, he's the only new character outside of a couple of the villains that has no history with John Wick. Every other new character in this movie has a history with him. Like I said, yeah. outside of the villains. They had he had nothing with John Wick. Yeah. And you know, maybe if they had done a little bit with that of like, you know, he just happened to see John Wick kill somebody way back in the Baba Yaga days. Like he was like, Man, I was in a bar and this fucking guy just killed three guys with a pencil. And like all this shit, you know, something like that. Like if they tied him in some way, maybe I would see some better justification for it. It's just to me, this is your fourth movie. It's possibly the final movie of your series. And he's the only new character that is either neutral or good or whatever that has no connection to John Wick whatsoever. And that's why I was like, they didn't, they didn't justify him enough to me to like keep him. Like I said, there's some cool little scenes here and there, you know. But if I had to choose somebody with a dog, shooting a gun a lot, like Justin said, give me Halle Berry. Then if you're gonna do it. Just give me <laughs> Halle Berry. And that's interesting because, like, I I agree. If there was gonna be a something that could be shorter. Definitely scenes with him, but at the same time, I also kind of liked some of the stuff he did. Like, um, yeah, I it's interesting. Like, I don't think maybe, maybe not completely cutting him out, but definitely less scenes or something. I don't know because there were some things that he did that I was like, that's kind of cool, but kind of, yeah, rework the story as to like why he's there or why he's relevant. I don't know, but I, mean, I, I get what you mean though. It's just interesting because he. He was an interesting character. Um, I didn't make that relation to like how similar he is to Halle Berry, but you're right. And she was so great in the third one. I get that. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because I I thought they could have done actually some cooler or different things with him. Like they could have utilized him differently and it would have been better. But at the same time, yeah, if we have to get something out of the movie, it needs to be him before anybody else, unfortunately. I mean, to me, the easiest way to make the connection is he's Halle Berry's brother. And she was killed between movies for helping him in the third one. And he is coming to exact revenge. And that's why he's pushing, you know, to get the bounty higher and higher. But then by the end of the movie, he realizes as, you know, that kind of John Wick's right. That the issue isn't John Wick in that she helped John Wick. The issue is the table. So John Wick taking down the table is what would actually avenge his sister's death, not killing John Wick. Yeah, that would have been a really good storyline, actually. Like, put to in me, there. that's kind of an easy way to do a bridge gap, justify his character a little bit more. Because action movie-wise, they do a fine job of, of justifying his character because he does a... He does some cool action stuff. He's got, you know, he he's justified in that regard. It's just on a narrative side, I see less justification for him. 
than I do yeah. all the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. You, and I think although that, I did, I did like oh, that ahead. scene though, when he, when Keanu like sees that the dog's about to get attacked and he like, was like, nope, that's not happening. I thought that was a cool scene. Anyway, go ahead, Jason. No, like all of that stuff is good. And I think that really, when I look at him, like when I think about the story narratively, he was a fresh take on just one of those kind of assassins randomly not associated, but trying to get the money. Cause you know, we've seen a lot of those people, right? Like if you're not one of the main like assassin people trying to, or people associated with the table trying to go after John Wick, if you're not like the hired help, to try to get John Wick, then normally you're just some random assassin person who got the text or whatever. Oh, look, the pot is up and you're trying to hunt John Wick and you're just killed. So it was a little refreshing to have a person from that who didn't have any relation to him, but was just so exceptionally good at his job of tracking Kim that the table was like, okay, um, maybe we can make you useful. And I think that does make the character different. But unfortunately, this was a character, while I don't think he was necessarily weak or bad, he was in a movie with so many other characters that just, like you said, were so strong. They had all these different connections with John Wick. They they just were so much more compelling. I think that, made him seem, you know, somebody had to be the odd man out and it was him, you know, unfortunately, but I think it's more of a victim of, he was the weakest in such a strong cast that unfortunately he's going to be our scapegoat. But I, but, but, but when I look and actually analyze him and the story and his role and everything, he did have good action scenes. He was important in a sense, and he was a fresh take on what that character normally is in this series. But not, but even all those good things couldn't withstand Donnie Yen, all these other great things you had going on in this movie. So I think he's kind of just an unfortunate victim of circumstance in this. If he had been in, some, yeah. in any of the other movies, if he was in the first movie, he would have been badass. If he was in the second movie, if it was him there instead of Cassian, you know, the common character, he would have been awesome. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just he was in this movie. And so he's kind of a scapegoat here. You are absolutely right, Justin. If he's in one through three, loving the character. Yeah. Without without the connections, you know what I mean? As presented in this movie, loving the character in any of the other movies. Yep. But this is potentially the swan song. Yeah. It's He's the, in this the, one, though. It's the full encompassing of the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why the character with no relation feels out of place. Yeah. You know? Like any other movie, though, I 100% agree with you. Badass, memorable character. Swang Song movie where the other characters that are introduced from John Wick's past are just 
top tier characters in any universe. Yeah. It kind of weakens it a little bit. And it, it yep. and unfortunately yep. he gets compared to those characters. He gets compared yeah. to yeah. Donnie Yen. He gets compared to fuck. Now you've got it in my head, Heather, that I'm going to fuck up his name too. Um, Hiro Yuki yes. Sonata. Yes. Like such a, like, I don't want to say such a small character, but like uh, a character yeah. with limited screen time, I should say. Just top tier though, the entire time. Just that yeah. presence he brought in any yeah. moment he was there was insane. Or his daughter, or his daughter is uh, Akira. Like she was fantastic too. Yep. Yeah, like, she was great. Yeah, she was great. You know, you and have then those- on top of that, he's like Holly Berry's character. Maybe if he had a different skill set, man. Maybe if he used a crowbar or some shit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was it, guns but and why a dog. did he have to have a dog? Maybe if he it just didn't the, have the dog. If he it's had the a same cat breed or of something. dog too. <laughs> yeah. It's the same breed of dog. It's literally like they just brought back one of the dogs from the last movie and said it was a different one. Yeah. So he just had all that writing against him, man. And I really don't think narratively it was bad. It's just he had a lot riding against him, man. And he's getting compared to Holly Berry at the same time. Oh, I sure as hell was. You know, <laughs> I, I I sure, all yeah. I kept thinking was, We're just, man, yeah. why why couldn't it be? I, I just, why couldn't he have just been a little different, man? I don't know. He just needed something different, you know? And the thing is, he was actually like, such a good actor though. Like he actually yes. legitimately was very good, especially in that scene with his hand and like just the, the tears and like the, the pain you see that he's in and all that. He was actually a legit solid actor. And it's just so unfortunate that we're just like, uh, like it had to be this movie. Otherwise we would be praising that man for everything he did in that movie. Yeah. Well, it's this movie and he's, <sighs> He's essentially kin to Halle Berry's Ryu. Like, yeah. that's the problem, yeah. is he's kin. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I felt bad because I'm like, if you really just needed a person of color with a dog, you already had Halle Berry. Just, just bring her back. You had an Oscar winner, yeah. my well, people. On, What's going on? On top of it, and, and nothing against this man, but... I mean, he's he's fairly attractive, but he's not Halle Berry attractive, and I don't mean I don't mean that to like hold it against him. No one else is. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, yeah, like that's yeah. I totally get what you're saying. It's just, oh man, that the, they just sort of screwed him. How him, do you man, stand against get, the sunrise? Yeah, like yeah. he's he's sitting there doing fantastic acting, and I'm like, so it's like it's a person with a dog and a gun doing fantastic acting. But then I also could have them looking like Halle Berry also. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's that's honestly my biggest complaint about this movie is I think his scenes especially, if the, the ones that truly just focus on him, you could streamline those, toss some of those attributes into some other characters, knock 15 minutes off the runtime, and I think you're gold. You know, like that's it. Just... Because outside of that, I mean, that, A, John Wick with some nunchucks was a fucking fantastic thing. Because at first, when he first picked him up, the first few hits he did, I was like, oh, he doesn't know actually what he's doing. He's just so effective 
at beating and, and hurting and killing people that it doesn't matter what the fuck he has, he'll make it a deadly weapon. And then he also is adept at using them. And I was like, oh, he's just that man. And then that scene where he's holding that guy down and he is just windmill beating the fuck out of that man's face. (laughs) Was equal parts, fantastic action and hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Which also, I mean, if we're going to talk about a hilarious action sequence, John Wick falling down those damn stairs. <laughs> man, yeah. dude. Man. That is one of the funniest and most depressing scenes I think I've ever seen. Because it really adds to the audience's level of knowing how John Wick feels. Because you just get mm-hmm. so deflated and exhausted. Like, And I don't mean exhausted in a bad way. I'm just like, it really could just kind of put you in his shoes of how the fuck is this going to happen? Yeah. In the 11th hour. Yeah. And it's just, and it's so perfectly timed because that man, he gets all the way to the top and then just kicked like King Leonidas in 300 kicked. And he falls down like a hundred and something stairs and barely gets up. That guy just, Ski slopes his way down the side, hits him a couple of times, and then throws him down the other hundred stairs. And it's brutal, and you see every bounce, and it's a very visceral thing, but it is also fucking hilarious. Like, (laughs) and intentionally so. This isn't one of those scenes where it's meant to not be funny, and you're just laughing because, you know, it happened to be. It's meant to be funny. And then he just gets to the bottom of the stairs. And then you have a great uh, Kane moment, too. Where he's like, John, is that you? He's like, hey, how about the fuck we get up the fuck up these stairs? <laughs> right. And it's one of those things, too, that's like, okay, how many times could I see this man fight up some stairs? I literally just watched him do it for 10 minutes. And they somehow make it still exciting and fresh and, and, and a great thing to watch. Doing it a second time just because they add uh, Donnie into it. They just add Donnie yeah. in to reinvigorate the stair fight sequence that you just watched. And it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And that might be one of the best, like... Definitely, I get the hilarity of it and how that could be funny as well. But also, in a weird way to me, it was also like one of the best the hero has to get himself off the ground. That was like Rocky getting up on nine. That was... You know, that was Captain America standing there in Endgame and it's the whole Thanos army against him and he stands up and dusts off his broken shield and goes, all right, I got to do this shit. Like that was the the karate kid on his last leg, you know, after Mr. Miyagi healed him and he's still down, he's still got to get up and come up with this. This was just before the crane kick. Like, you want to talk about painting the picture of the midnight hour 
for the hero. He's running out of time. He just made it all the way up these stairs. He gets kicked all the way down him. And it just looks hopeless. Like, and for John Wick, and this is why this is the best one. Like, fuck, it's the best one. The, 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 like that, that is, he's never been in that situation. You know what I'm saying? I've never once, never once has the other movies made me feel like, that that was the first time I really felt like he's not going to make it. Like for a moment, I felt like they did it to me. I felt like, okay, he's not going to make this. So there's going to be some technicality or how is he going to, for a moment, they had me. And I was like, how is he going to get up here? And then when Donnie Yen came and was like, hey man, let's do this thing together. And like you said, even though you were watching him go up the steps again, it was like that reinvigorated. It was like the montage without the montage. It was the, it was just that whole, like, yes, he can do this type of moment, but ironically he's doing it with the person who, you know, he has to fight when he gets up the stairs. So you're getting this feeling of motivation and encouragement but the whole time in the back of your head, you're like, he's got to duel with this guy when they get up the stairs. And that's like yeah. the amazing thing about this film. Like they just found a way to encapsulate all that in one fight scene. You know, there was so much more than just a man falling down the stairs in that scene. So uh, just an excellent visual showcase as well as a physical one, you know. Also, a that that whole car fight sequence and that gigantic roundabout was fantastic. Man, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm just going to briefly touch on some of these things so you guys, if you want to, can go in more depth. But that was fucking amazing. Um, but what I do want to go into a little bit more depth, or in that top down, that that fight inside that abandoned building was amazing too. That top down. It was going back and forth between top down and all this other stuff. That was fucking creativity at its fucking finest. It was amazing as fuck. But I just want to touch on the last fight, the duel. (laughs) Man, it was a fucking duel. And it felt as much like just pure tension that I've almost ever felt in a movie. Like, you legitimately don't know if John Wick's going to succeed in that. You don't. Like, you feel like he very much could still just die right in the middle of that, and it's done. Because that's kind of, in a weird way, the story of John Wick. That's a thing that just could happen. But, man, that little twist at the end, when the Marquis like, I get the coup de gras. I get the final shot. And then, you know, Winston's just all dumbass. He didn't shoot his last shot. What? Kaplow. A, I love the way they did that. Because I noticed the final shot. I, I noticed he did not shoot a shot. I noticed there was only one shot taken. And I was like, that's weird. I was like, why did they do that? And then right after you get that payoff, and I'm like, oh yeah, John Wick's a crafty son of a bitch, ain't he? 
But then also, that was a satisfying as fuck ending. Like, you get this yeah. insanely action-packed and, and, and fast-paced movie to have this inversed, slow, brooding final sequence that was just showed how smart John Wick is, you know? Just knowing, essentially knowing his prey so well. Knowing that given the opportunity, the marquee is going to insert himself into this and fuck everything up for himself. It's fantastic. Um, uh, Heather, uh, what about you? What are some more uh, thoughts from you? Yeah, and to touch a little bit more on that last scene too, the funny thing with that is because I love... I loved Bill Skarsgård in this baby Skarsgård was great. Um, and <laughs> it was just funny to me that in that last, it was that last scene where you just, the, everything about it was so menacing and, and villainy. Like we said, except for like the moment when Kane just tells him to F off. <laughs> he's like, remember your daughter. And he's like, F off, you know, like just, it was so funny to me because um, in that moment, Heather, the word you're looking for is fuck. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you say it for me. He Thanks. said, <laughs> he said, fuck off. Yeah, if you're yeah. gonna quote Donnie Chin as Kane in this movie, <laughs> it's fuck off. <laughs> My bad, but just the fact that, like, in the moment he said that, it's almost like um, I don't remember his character's name, but Bill Skarsgård's character like lost all like power of menace after that moment. Cause he's just like, Oh, okay. And then like, and then so quickly after that for him to be like, all right, I'm getting the last shot. And he just, everything about him fell apart because of his, like, I guess in a sense, his greed or his like urgency to be like, I need this done. I want to kill this man. And this is happening. And he just lost all semblance of reason and any sort of, intelligence he had in that moment because he was just, I feel like he was just so quick to just get it done. Well, but it's, it's, it's it's that whole like ego slash lust for power type of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Blinded him. He didn't want to actually do the fight, but he wanted the credit for the win, you know? Correct. Yeah. He didn't want to actually duel John Wick, but he wanted to be the man to kill John Wick. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. yeah, you're right. It's that too. It's that and it, it's the ego thing. It's that and just all of the power hungry, like I just need to be the one to do it. He he was not thinking in any sort of way, clearly. So it, it was just interesting to me how menacing and crazy as a villain he was up until that final scene. And you're just like, you know what? All right. <laughs> he got put in his place really quick. But I just, uh, I loved, I loved that, but it was just so funny to me too that it happened like that. Um, but I, I think he was an excellent villain. I, I, I've always been a fan of his acting, but I think he was very excellent as the villain of this movie. Um, but yeah, I think my only thing is though, too, at the very end too, when it's like the duel's over, you know, and and John Wick's just kind of on those stairs and falls over and supposedly dies. Um, like, 
If that, I mean, I, I personally, and I'm hoping this is the case that he's not actually dead. Um, I know that it's kind of like, we don't know if there's going to be another movie after this. I thought that there was for sure, but I could be wrong. Okay. The story with that is essentially if they want to make a fifth one, they can. Lionsgate's like, yeah, if you want to make a fifth one, go ahead. They will not say no. They're under no obligation to do it. Um, The director has said that the fate of a John Wick 5 will hinge on Keanu and him going to Tokyo and getting completely shit-faced on whiskey and deciding whether or not they want to do it. Love it. That's that's what he said is the reality of whether or not they're going to do a John Wick 5. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, so that like that's more or less what it is. They're under both of them are not under contract to do it, but they've got the green light to do it if they want. And if this movie's any indication, they're going to get another hundred million dollar budget to do it. Oh yeah. So which it, it blows my mind. The first John Wick only was fucking twenty million dollars. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. twenty million. That's crazy. it. It was like twenty million, and then I think the. It, the second one was forty million. They got seventy five million for the third, and they got a hundred million for the fourth. Mm. Wow! They they know how to get bang for their buck, and I don't like no pun intended for that. They just they know <laughs> how to just utilize a budget very well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope they make another one. I mean, I would I will watch these until they're not made anymore. Honestly, but. Um, yeah, my only thing with that is like if if he really did die in this movie, I feel like it was so abrupt. Like it and and maybe that's fine, but it just everything that led up to it and then it was such an abrupt like all right, well he's gone now and it just kind of wrapped up so quickly after that when it's just like you've gone on this journey with this man for four movies and I just it just was kind of like, oh no, like we need to give him more respect or something. Like he just went through all this and died so abruptly. And I don't know. I just feel like if, if he did actually die, you know, maybe dwell in it a little bit more, let people feel it a little bit more, you know? Well, hmm. I don't know. If this is the last movie and it's the quote unquote, the character's now dead. I don't know. I thought it was fitting. I mean, him dying is oh, I'm, like I'm if it is about the last it. one. Like, okay, yeah, him dying the way he died because he died free of the table. He died helping Crane get out from under the table. He died from a friend who was trying to protect his own daughter. So it's not even like he yeah. died for a friend for a shitty reason. Like he died because his friend was trying to save his, you know, or keep his daughter safe, which. You know, to John Wick is a That's valid reason he would to die, die for. And, yeah. you know, all those things. And ultimately, he doesn't really care if he's remembered by anybody other than, like, what he had on his tombstone. The whole, yeah. like, loving husband thing. Like, that's, to him, that's a fitting end. Like, yeah, doesn't need to be pomp and circumstance and, like, oh, the great John Wick has fallen. Any of that shit. Like, none of that mattered to him. And just all that matters is essentially being buried next to his wife at that point. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. I mean, you make a point there. 
I guess I just feel like from the audience perspective, like, I don't know, like flashbacks of the something, you know, kind of like they did the flashbacks of his wife, like just to kind of feel a little bit more the fact that, oh, this might actually be him dying. That's all. But I mean, it's just for for me, I'm just like, oh, no, that's it. No, as that's an audience, it. we went through as an audience member. Do you want to see what his flashbacks to be like the important things of his life, like where he goes back and he's just thinking about like loving memories with his wife? Or do you want to see the audience perspective flashback of it's just him like a montage of him just killing motherfuckers for four films? <laughs> that would be awesome. But honestly, I would want to see his his memories, his flashbacks, because then, you know, it's like it's him like remembering all of the things that he did care about, like maybe his puppy, you know, and his other dog and, um, you know, Lance Reddick's character and Ian McShane's character, like just the people that actually did matter that he did actually trust, you know, like I think that would have been cool. But Again, I'm not saying like, oh, it was terrible. It was just like, oh, no, it just was so quick. Like we went on such a long journey with him for this movie. And then, oh, no, now it's he's just he's just gone. <laughs> like, I just wanted a little bit more to be able to dwell on the fact that it's John Wick, you know, that's all. But um, that aside, like I really and I man, Hiroyuki, Hiroyuki Sonata is I really I, everything he did in this movie was great. I just always want more of him in a movie when he's in it. But I will say um, his his Continental is, it wins at life. <laughs> that place looked awesome. Like, and just how prepared they were, like, at all times also. Like, it just everything about it was super cool. Um, and I did love his dynamic with his daughter and, um, and again, like the character of Kane, like everything, it, it's almost just like he had, he had a duty, he had a job, but everybody that he had to go up against, he was just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. Please don't make me do this. Like, let's not fight about this. Just surrender or whatever it was. And I, I loved that kind of like quality of Kane because, as much as he was down to business and he would have, you know, destroyed pretty much anybody in his path almost. He was just like, these are my friends. These are people I know and I don't want to do this, but you know, also my daughter, <laughs> like he was, you know, very much very similar to John Wick in that way where he's just like, I'm protecting the one thing that I care about. And that's, that's it. I don't care about anything else. And like, I will do what I have to do to make sure that she's safe. And that's exactly something that John Wick would do. So, and I, I, I really liked that parallel between them. And that's probably the kind of thing that made them friends in a way, because I feel like there's like that mutual respect and understanding that they had from each other of their motivations, I guess you could say. Um, I also really enjoyed the part when, um, when uh, Bill Skarsgård's character, he's basically talking about how, you know, John Wick has nothing left to live for, but this guy has all the three things, something to live for, something to die for, and something to fight for. And he's like, he has all three of those things. And that's why, you know, I'm choosing him to do this kind of. 
And I just really thought that was an interesting perspective for him to have. And it, it kind of brought more light and meaning to the whole reason that it was happening. So I thought that was a really cool thing that they added in there for that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, and I kind of mentioned it earlier with, uh, with the tracker. <laughs> um, I like that, you know, they're in the middle of this fight or whatever, but then John sees that the dog is about to get killed and he's like, nope. And he stops ex- everything he's doing to like save that dog from getting killed. <laughs> it was like, that's very full circle. And I thought that was cool. Um, and that kind of made the tracker gain respect for him too. You know, he's like, all right, you saved, you saved my dog, which is the one thing I care about. And I don't know. I feel like there was, even though they didn't have an actual connection to each other, you feel like they, again, there's that understanding they have of each other and their motivations. So, um, I thought it was just kind of a really nice parallel and thing that they, you feel like they really were thoughtful and making sure that you understand what is driving these characters, you know? So I thought that was really cool, but yeah. And I, yeah, I think that the only other thing though is with the stairs, the, the fight on the stairs and then coming back up and he's like, Oh, when sunrise, I feel like that fight was way more than like two minutes of time. (laughs) <laughs> to get back up to the top but I didn't care I just thought it was, like I thought about it after the fact and I was like they had two minutes to take all these guys out and get back up those however many number of stairs those were and I feel like that was longer than two minutes that it took them to do that but um that scene was so like just the creativity of every action scene there was not a for me there was not a weak action scene in this movie there wasn't one that was like okay well that was whatever like I didn't care for that every single one of these action sequences fight scenes were so well done and so different from each other like you could pick any one of these and be like oh remember the fight you know in the street remember the fight in the (laughs) the stairwell and whatever it is like any one of these, you could say that was my favorite fight and that was the best action and you wouldn't be wrong because they're all so good and so well choreographed. And it was just, I'm sitting there watching these thinking like, man, these are some long sequences of fighting, but not in a bad way. Like I was just like, it is impressive the amount of choreography that they do for such a long stretch of time where you're just you're not like bored with it. You're just completely invested for the entire fight sequences with every one of them they have. And that's just so impressive. And you feel like this, or at least for me, this movie really balances so well the actual story of the movie with the action. And it doesn't sacrifice one for the other. And I think that that's really great because you could easily do that with a movie like this but they so equally and perfectly balance each other with the story plus the action being both so major in this and they don't have to make one suffer just for the other's sake. And I love that. And I think that's what kind of makes these such great action films because you care about the action, but you care about the story and you care about the reason for all the action. So yeah, it it really is a great balance. Um, And then, you know, it was nice to see Lawrence Fishburne back. And um, sadly, Lance Reddick wasn't in it as much as I would have liked, you know, but I think that it was, 
he was an important character. He had an important moment in this film that kind of was the, a little bit of a catalyst for other things that happened. And yeah, I just think everything that they did here was so great. Like it's hard to find something, which is hard to say about action movies in general, that you find anything that that you're like, Oh no, I have no complaints about an action movie. (laughs) Like, I feel like it would be so easy to pick out like, well, that didn't look realistic and that was dumb and blah, blah, blah. But you can't with these movies because they're that good. So, and, and I also forget (laughs) until I saw this, I was like, I really forgot how many like close range shootings they do in the John Wick movies. (laughs) There's just so much close range shooting of the faces. So, um, but it's awesome. The way they do it is always awesome. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think that's really the only additional things that I had that we haven't talked about. But I just, I'm really impressed with this movie. And it's, yeah, it, it just definitely, it's funny to kind of like what we talked about earlier, where how many movies can be like, yeah, the fourth one in a whole franchise is the best. Like typically they start getting worse the more you do them. And these just, it feels like they just keep getting better. And I love that. So, um, but yeah, that's, that was the only thing I had left to say. Justin, what you got? Cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, like, uh, definitely you guys have all, made some great points about the film and everything. Um, I mean, just to go back to Don again for a little bit, like I just love the fact that this Kane character was blind. Like he just had a lot of cool characteristics about him. And Don again was just great about playing that into the performance with kind of the, the quirkiness that the character had, kind of the the way that the character moved, his mannerisms, uh, his charisma, just Donnie Yen just really did a, a spectacular job. Like just every scene that he was in, he was just so magnetic. I thought he had such a presence about him. Like, And that's why when I say when you compare him to every other character like him in the series, like it, 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 those characters... He just absolutely was the best one. Like when you compare him to the 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 sort of fanboy zero in the third movie, he beats that character. When you compare him to the Cassian character, the common character in the second John Wick, he beats that character. When when you compare, and I think maybe in the first movie, like who would be that equivalent? Probably like, um. I guess the chick, right? The, the, the maybe, I I think that probably is the closest. In the first one, you get a little tough because you've got the Willem Dafoe character. Who's the friend. Uh, Yeah. You've got the rival assassin. And I mean, maybe the other henchman, the one that is like John Wick's foil up until one scene and then he dies, you know? Um, which weirdly enough is the director of the franchise. Uh, the guy that's mm. trying to choke him in the first movie by putting the bag over his face. That's the director. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really about it. I mean, the first one, it's tough because they didn't really have that role. 
in the first one. Yeah, there was just kind of, I mean, the closest one to me is probably the rival assassin lady, the lady that was just trying to, you know, she might be the closest Uh, one because I think she fought him and that was a close fight. And then, you know, he kind of had help from William Defoe to get out of that. Then she was captured. She got out and then she teamed up with, um, you know, our main henchman and they killed William Defoe. And then finally she kind of got hers because she attacked somebody in the continental, et cetera. But Heather. I feel like she, she did quite a bit. Heather, what's her name? Cause she was in Friday night lights. It's like Adrian Pilecki or something. Yeah. Adrian Pilecki. Yeah. Yes. Good job. You got it. Yes. Yes. Nice. Nice catch on that. So I would say just, she, she was probably the most like, as far as skilled, like she wasn't the main opposition, but as far as skill, she was the, I would say the assassin, I have skills, I'm going to fight you equivalent to probably Donnie. She's probably the closest in that movie. So Donnie, but either way, the point being Donnie Yen beats her too. So, I mean, he just was That the would be best. kind of funny though, if you were like, it's, it's a toss up between her and him. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> That would be funny, but no, as, as, and she was pretty good in the first John Wick and not a complaint about her at all. She yeah. was good, but Donnie Yen, man, was just the, the best of all of those people. He was a good rival. He, he rivaled Wick and skill. He was tenacious and definitely was somebody who just was, um, you felt like, was not only had a connection with John Wick and everything like that, but but also he just had such a meaningful story with trying to protect his daughter. And I like the parallel of him also being retired and having to come out of retirement because of this obligation with the table and everything like that. So there's even that comparison. Well, and... Would you say that one of the reasons why the 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 Kane character is so successfully done in this movie is because in so many ways he's the most similar to John Wick? Like that force yeah. of will character that you know that that type of thing he's the person that gives the most that vibe of anybody else. Yeah. Like it's that yeah. reluctancy also of, you know, the zero character in John Wick three doesn't feel the same because he wants to be under the table. He wants to do those things where Crane and John Wick both have that reluctancy. They both got sucked yeah. in because, and they don't want to be, they want to be out, you know, for, for the same reasons for their other, like for their family, you know, like John Wick had his wife and, Crane has his daughter and unlike, you know, some of the other characters, they wanted, they wanted to be completely out, even though they are the, the top tier at what they do. Yeah. Like that similarity. Do you think that that's one reason why maybe the crane character also, I mean, Donnie Yen did just a plus at playing that character, but as far as just story and narrative, do you think that that's why that character maybe outshines everybody else is everybody already loves John Wick. You get John Wick B 
Yeah, possibly. Basically, yeah. I think that that's kind of what it seemed like when it comes to like the 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 division in Japan, if you want to call it that, or whatever it was. You know, I guess there are continentals everywhere, and the table is everywhere technically, so you don't need to separate it like that. But it just, but definitely, it seemed like he was like another John Wick or maybe he was the Wick before John Wick or something like that. If you did get that feeling about him as far as the retirement, you know, he wanted to stay gone. He had somebody, the only difference was like you said, very, very similar, which is why I think John Wick understood him on a certain level. And he understood John Wick on a certain level. The only difference was, is that the person who, um, who Kane was trying to live for was alive, his daughter. Meanwhile, John Wick's wife was dead, but he was still clinging on. So that's why it was so incredibly fitting during that duel before they did the last draw. They were both, one of them was like the person who clings to life, you know, gets death. And then the other one was like the person who clings to death gets life. It, it that really was like, like if this is the last one, what a fitting end for this character. I'm in your yeah. camp for that, you know, as far as what you were saying about that Sterling, but that line kind of encapsulated everything like clinging on to this life and just being an assassin and just killing and stuff like that and sort of clinging on to this memory of your dead wife you know like several characters said this to john wick throughout the series the only way you would get peace is through death that's the only way and then you have this character kind of a similar to him the like what you're talking about sterling very similar to john wick almost like another john wick b if you will but the person who he's trying to protect is alive and is there and everything like that so you saw the parallel in both of those characters and what needed to happen so it felt like both characters got both john wicks if you will got what they needed to have a fitting end in the end, you know, um, um real quick, just, I want to, cause I want to mention one more thing about the end specifically with what yeah. you're talking about before you possibly move to something else. Yeah. Did this movie not do a great job of you wanting both of them to win the duel? Like this character exactly. that was just introduced and this character you've been with for four <laughs> movies, you're just like, can they both win? Yeah, like I'm, I'm writing like, down that was scenarios my conflict. In, yes. in my head of how did they both win? They just turn and shoot everybody else. <laughs> I really, I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I really thought that at one point John Wick, when they were like with the first draw, he was just gonna turn and shoot the marquee. Just, just yep. bam. Oops, wild shot. Right, but he's dead, and that's the whole point of the duel. So I still win. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, because that a, was my conflict. Yeah, they for did sure. Such I was like, a great I job like of, them both. of crafting a the the crane character and integrating him into the story so well. And like we've been talking about them both being the same uh, two sides of the same coin scenario. That you want both of them to win. You want Crane to live and be with his daughter because you get why he's in it, and you also also want, it's Kane. Yeah. By the way, Just did I say know. Crane? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And you, and you, and you want John Wick to win cause it's John fucking Wick, you know? Yeah. So they did such a great job of. Yeah. Making you want both people to live. Yeah. And just all of those story pieces that they just little pieces that they kept giving you about Kane. Like when the one character is like, man, it's really messed up that they took your eyes away. And he was like, they didn't take my eyes. I gave them. And you're just like, damn, fool. Like, what <laughs> kind more. of a badass is this guy? Like, I mean, yeah. what kind of, like, what what kind of person is he? And then his fighting was so different from John Wick, but, but it was so unique and resourceful. Like, when he had those little, whatever they were. Those the motion sounds, sensor doorbells. Yeah, the motion sensor, yeah, doorbell things. Ding dong. And when they would walk in and get that sound, he would know your location. And he was just killing people, man. He was like so incredible. Like you understood, okay, I see now why he was able to retire or why they left him alone for a bit. But now I understand why they're needing him back because I don't think anybody else probably in the world could stand the chance against John Wick except this guy. And so the movie had the tough task of trying to get you to see that, you know, not only caring about him emotionally, but understanding why they needed this guy to go after John Wick. And I mean, as you're watching all this stuff and seeing all this stuff, and then the fight they had was so damn even. It, it was just crazy, like how they were countering each other and getting each other on the brink, but kind of finding a way to outsmart each other and stuff like that. And by the time that fight was over, you were like, dang, man, he is capable of beating him probably. But at the same time, this dude's at a constant disadvantage because he's blind and doing all of this. You know, he can't see John Wick, but he's still able to do all these amazing things. So that was just such an impressive character. Everything, the story, how he was as a fighter, how Donnie Yen played him. I mean, it was just an A plus from top to bottom from that character. So I can't speak enough about that character. Like I just, just talking about him, I want to see the movie again, just to see that character again. Like, I like want the movie just, about him. Exactly. If they did a standalone movie about him, just finding out about this journey to retirement, man, I would be down for that. I would be down to see a Kane movie in a heartbeat, like no problem at all. I totally agree with you on that. I want to see, I want to see a movie that this movie kind of sets up of Akira hunting down Kane and Kane yeah. not wanting to kill her because he's now out and he's got no reason to. And it's not like he wanted to kill her father, you know, but like, right. I want to see that movie of, her trying to kill him and him just trying to avoid being killed because like I said, he doesn't want to kill her. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would be a fantastic movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, like just something like that. Like, I think that that's a great setup for this. Um, and something else I was going to say, I don't know. It went out my head. Go ahead. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah. And you had uh, lightly mentioned that, that overhead fight scene in that compound, man, 
that reminded me of like some of those old school. I mean, that was like a video game. That was like that. That reminded me of like you know the old school Legend of Zelda, where you got that overhead view, or some of those shooting games like old school Contra or you know, smash TV or any of those kinds of things. Old ass video games I'm talking about, but like, that's what it reminded me of. Like those overhead view type of shooter games where you're going from room to room doing all that stuff. But it was just so amazing, man. The music was blaring and then just seeing the movement of everybody, seeing how John Wick was avoiding them and that gun that he was using that was just blasting almost like these f- explosive like the fire incendiary rounds. round shotgun yeah in the, those incendiary rounds and like it that was just some amazing stuff i loved that scene like not only was it a visual splendor but just the the thought and the ambition that went into some of these fight scenes was just amazing or like y'all talked about the roundabout scene um, where he was fighting on the street. But whenever he was in that car and the camera's like rotating and he's like drive-bying, yeah. shooting oh, these yeah. people. But the camera <laughs> is like doing this. It, 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 I don't know how they captured that. That's all I could say is it felt like a rotating shot, like something. Yeah. Maybe the car or the camera was on a rotator or something. And it was like, I, I'm not sure... I can't speak for how exactly it was captured, but that's what it seemed like to me. But man, even that was just hella cool. Like just, they just found some of the most interesting ways to capture these fights or like what I loved about the stairway fight is the, the shot at which they were showing, like they angled it very early in that fight. Most of the time you saw John Wick fighting, it was angled sort of where the camera was below him and it was angled upward to kind of give you that visual of the of how high he had to go and just this uphill climb of the stairs. And the thing is, is about this, a martial arts movie where a fighter has to go upstairs or go up floors, everything. That's a very... Um, cool thing that Bruce Lee popularized in the film Game of Death where he had to go through all these floors and fight all these people. That's where the infamous yellow outfit comes from and everything like that. So, and, and I mean, so many movies and films have copied that concept. The Dread movie, the new Judge Dread. I was going to say, the newer only Judge two Dread movies have done that. it incredibly well and that's the raid and dread yeah and i yep and i was about to say the raid has done that i've seen that concept copied so many times they did it here with freaking stairs man they 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 did that somehow with stairs and made you watch it twice and both times were just as exhilarating the first time was exhilarating as the second time all in one movie and they did it with stairs man like this movie is just the is is like a goat of action movies with what they did what they were able to do with it just the innovative things they were able to do like i mean i'm just I, my mind is just still blown thinking about it and talking about it like 
just amazing, amazing stuff. And and I agree with you guys. Skarsgård was a very good character in this. I liked him. And I do agree that he had a lot of great scenes. He had that menacing nature about him. He had that arrogant nature about him. And I love how his arrogance at the end of that was his undoing. I just loved how all of that came out at the end and, and, and him not realizing that John Wick didn't take the shot because of his, because of his want to take all the glory and everything like that. And just the sniveling snake that he was. I, and, and he finally got his, and I mean, there were people when he got shot, there were people in the theater cheering, like people were so happy that he got his. And I think that that's the mark of a great villain. Like, how satisfying it is when they get it. Because we know what this is, right? This is a John Wick film. We know that the villains are going to get it, right? We know that the villain's going to get it. We know John Wick is going to get him. But this movie, out of the three movies, just found a way to make the final battle or whatever so interesting. Like you were talking about that tension, Sterling. Uh, another reason why this is the best one, man. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this movie just did everything. I mean, just it just put took everything to another level. Like, we're used to seeing a final battle in these John Wick movies where it just comes down to fisticuffs or it comes down to blades yeah. or it just comes down to guns. And he just, and John Wick just wins and it's just on to the next one, you know? Like, that's kind of how it goes with these things. He just wins, he defeats, and that's it. And maybe that's not 100% fair because the third movie did come down to the stuff with him and Winston and they're on the roof. And, you know, the I can't just lie and say all those endings just ended in a regular way. They didn't. There were some that ended in some interesting ways. Or like the second movie ended awesome too with him going excommunicado and now all these assassins are looking at their phones and coming after him and he's running with that dog on the street. So you know what? John Wick has been good about its endings. I can't just say, but even though yeah. all those endings are good, this one just found a way to top those. Like it just, that duel was just something I never thought I would see in this. Like just this whole idea of them doing a Western, you know, duel, t- take steps and draw with guns or whatever. Just never thought I would see that in this. And the fact that they made that so full attention and the fact that you didn't want either character to lose. Like you were like, man, like, and I'm sitting there going, I know John Wick has to win this, but man, if he wins, you know, Kane is dead and I don't want to see him die. Man, this is going to be sad either way. I'm not really going to win even if John Wick wins. You know, that's what I'm thinking when when all of this is happening and the way they did it, like you said, Sterling, I think you were the one that said it earlier. It was so satisfying, but they found a way to give you the tension. It was unpredictable. It, it was just it was just everything, man. It was and then it was a fitting in for this character. And like you said, if this is not the last one, great. I get another one and I get to sit in this movie and go, man, how are they going to top this fourth movie? And I get to have this roller coaster ride all over again. But if this is the last one, what a send off for this character 
what a swan song for this character. And if they never make another John movie again, this might be the best four movie series of anything that, that I've ever seen. I mean, like I may have to sit there and think about what are all the fours in film history, but, and I don't know that that'd be a weird list to try to come up with anyway, but man, you'd be but but man, you'd be hard pressed to find a group of four movies ever that were this good. And the quality just, and and the quality ascending late, that, that that's another thing. The, the quality just getting better as the movies went along. So I don't know what other quadrilogies there are out there that are excellent to compare this to, but this might be the greatest four movies of anything like ever. I can't, I don't even know what comes close to it. So yeah, man, I, I, I was just extremely impressed with this. No need to talk you guys' ears off anymore. I, I just loved this from start to finish. And there are just so many amazing things about this that not only paid homage to the martial arts films before it, but it also just found new ways to innovate action. And now I'm looking at all these other movies coming down the pipe, the Marvel movies, all these other things that are coming up. And I'm like, there's no excuse, man. If you're ambitious <laughs> enough and you're creative enough, you can find a way to still make yeah. amazing action and tell compelling stories and have heroes and villains and have tension and compelling characters. And John Wick proves that it can be done. So let's do it, guys. No excuses yeah. going forward. I mean, and the funny thing with that, too, is like <laughs> the greatest set of action films is done by... uh just everybody in the movie is like in their fifties at least. <laughs> like, yeah, veterans I mean, you got, man. know what they're doing. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is like late fifties. Donnie Yen is late fifties. Hiroyuki is like in his sixties. Like, come on, it's just it's awesome though because you're just kind of like it doesn't matter. It really does not matter. They're they're the vets. You know what I mean? They they know what they're doing at this point. So I thought that was kind of interesting too, but I also really like the backdrop of this movie. Like in a sense, like the world that they create of, of what John wick is like the, um, you know, the radio stuff where, you know, you're playing these like songs and she's like doing this like secret messaging stuff over the radio to like try and find him. I really enjoyed that aspect of it too. I thought that was like a cool, like undertone that they give to this, this movie and like the severity of what it is to find John wick and all of that. I really enjoyed that piece of it too. I forgot to say that earlier. I mean, and one thing to clarify one, one of the reasons why three is maybe a little bit higher for me is I know Justin, I know you have more of a connection with, with Donnie Yen than I do. Like with the Ip Man movies and all that other stuff. But one reason why three is a little bit higher for me, still even kinda, is I love the shin what what in the movie they call it more or less it's the Shinobi fight. It's whenever John Wick fights both of those those guys before he fights Zero. Mm-hmm. And one of them is Mad Dog from the Raid, like, which 
Yeah. If you've never seen the raid, you owe it to yourself because you don't know what you're missing. Because if you love John Wick, you're going to love the raid. Because in a lot of ways, John Wick owes a lot of its greatness to the raid. And Mm -hmm. Mad Dog is just one of my favorite, like, I don't want to, like, martial arts movie villains out there. Like, that that boss battle martial artist, like, fight scene that you get in these movies, that fight with Mad Dog at the end of that movie, man, that's just a... yeah. You are lessening the quality of your life if you haven't seen it. So just having him be in that movie kind of, you know, it's just like a little thing that I'm just like, that's so fucking fantastic that he's in it. Um, But one thing, uh, one final thing I wanted to touch on with this real quick. Is it kind of weird that I think, all right, say this is the last one. Is it kind of weird that John Wick had a better, more impactful death than possibly James Bond did? I actually think 100% he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. But isn't it? It's just, it's just weird that, like, you're in the action movie world and this random character that showed up within the last decade ish. Is kind of more impactful than James Bond when it comes to dying at the end of a movie. I just think that that's kind of crazy and also kind of cool. Like it just kind of shows that James Bond movies are hit or miss. John Wick's just kind of been some hits, you know? And so yeah. I was, I was looking, I was trying to think of some quadrilogies for you, Justin. And there's very few because most of the time they stop at a trilogy or if they do go to a quadrilogy, they've ended up being ruined later by more sequels. Like if you look at the Aliens quadrilogy, then they added the Mm. the Prometheus and Covenant movie. You know what I mean? Or uh, when they with Predator, they just added Prey, which made it a fifth, you know. So there's kind of Mm. always those things. So, I mean, I think one way to look at it, though is what ends up being a series or a saga of movies, anything more than a trilogy. And there's only two that kind of either kept quality or improved in quality as they went. And that's John Wick and that's Toy Story. Yeah. Outside of that, not too many series really do it. I mean, you you can say that oh, you're right. partially about Fast and the Furious because there's a chunk of movies that I think is great, but that ends up only being five, six, seven, and eight. That's good four movies, but the first four kind of yeah. suck and nine sucks too, mm. you know? So you get four great movies sandwiched in a bunch of suckage, <laughs> you know? You you look at Jurassic, yeah, so the percentage is different. Yeah, you look <laughs> yeah. at the Jurassic Park. It's franchise. like a burger. It's like a burger where the meat's amazing, but the bread is just terrible. Like, so do you guys hate it when you get like a really good burger, but the quality of the bun is so subpar that it's just like dissolving in your hand while you're <laughs> eating it, and so it's just like this. 
You're yes. like having to like hold the, your hands into a bowl shape to keep the burger kind of going as you eat it. Yep. But like, all right, Jurassic Park. Yep. So the burger winds up getting a five, you know, yeah. the burger is a five because of the bread, uh, because of your bun, but really the meat and, and the toppings were probably a 10. It could have been, you know, but it winds up being a five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the Jurassic Park movies are a great example. I mean, I think three was the weakest of the original trilogy. I mean, obviously three was. And then I thought Jurassic World was fantastic. So I'm like, you've got four movies that are great to maybe like just whatever. And then they came out with five and six. And it's like, oh, you just hated your franchise. Got it. You know? (laughs) I mean, but even like the examples I brought up, uh, Predator. I mean, one and two, I mean, one classic, two, retroactively speaking, is utterly fantastic compared to a lot of the other shit. I think Predators is great with the exception of that Topher Grace serial killer character that just is weird addition to the movie. And then you get uh, whatever the fourth one is. That's either Predators or however the fuck they name it. The Predator or Predator. I don't know. Terrible. Just fucking terrible from like beginning the one with to Sterling K. Brown. End. Yes. He's the redeeming factor <laughs> of that movie surrounded by a bunch of suckage, you know, and then you get prey, which, you know, utterly fucking fantastic, but it's like, yeah, they sat there and squandered the middle though, by not caring and by keeping one director and one lead star throughout all of this shows, how much they care about this character and quality, yeah. like making these quality films and all this other stuff. It it just shows that dedication that that's what they want. Yeah. Every other, all it's these other franchises. Sure the yeah. most consistent yeah. as far as quality, I would say most consistent and best live action of like a franchise. And then Toy Story, I agree also is great, but we'll put that in animated category. Yeah. 1A, 1B, you know? You know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Outside of that, you've got some trilogies that I definitely are really up there, kind of maybe even surpassing this. That Play of the Apes trilogy, I mean... It's... Oh, the apes. I don't know if you can touch that one almost. Like, as far as a pure trilogy goes, it's... it. I think, to me, pound for pound is the best trilogy out there. Fuck the Star Wars trilogy. Fuck Indiana Jones. Fuck all that. <laughs> pound for pound. Yeah, not the even the wigs. Not even the first three wigs could stand up to that. Not even the first yeah. three wigs, man. Yeah. Any combination of wigs, even if you went like one, two, and four, or you went two, three, four, or anything like that, it might come close. Two, three, four might come, might come close. close to come close. apes. But it's still not going to beat it. I, I Just when you get over to it. pure filmmaking, those last, I mean, the, the first one is good. It's a, it's a very good movie. But those second two just are elevation upon elevation in terms of filmmaking and storytelling. Like, I just, yeah. you, you, they are so hard to top. Like, you know, and then, like, I mean, you want to go into quadrilogies up until this summer. Right now, Indiana Jones is a quadrilogy. John Wick's better. 
than the Indiana Jones quadrilogy. And I'd argue the first three John Wick movies are better than the regular Indiana Jones trilogy. Just for the sheer fact that, A, John Wick is not a statutory rapist and groomer like Indiana Jones is. Mm. And if you don't know that story, I can go more in depth than that when we do uh, Indiana Jones 5. Okay. Please do. Please do. Because I don't believe uh, But I've then on top of that, Indiana Jones 4 is so bad. It's so bad. Just abysmally uh. bad. Like, it, it no matter what taints the Indiana Jones saga. And you know what? Yeah. John Wick never did that. There's no tainting here. So. You guys got any final thoughts? Nope. Nope, I'm good. On that note. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet, www.cinemaslayers.com. F- Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, where we're at cinema underscore slayers. Uh, cinema, or, uh, cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok, uh, at Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Cinema Slayers Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us anything. Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love... Keanu Reeves. Fair. Slash John Wick. Yes. Um, and as I always end... Uh, this podcast, the TikToks, or the YouTube videos. Just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Wrong button. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. I just thought of something we did not comment on. Lance Riddick's death in this movie was made extra sad. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was totally about to say that. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree. Like, it was just, man, it was awkward seeing him die, man. Or not awkward's not the word, but it was just like you said. It was just extra emotional. And it was like, man, like, I'm sitting there watching him die, and I'm like, oh, man. You know, it sucks that he didn't get to do more and in it's, this film. Because, especially because it's like 10 minutes yeah. after it says, in memory of Lance Reddick, that happens. Yeah. 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 So. I, and his last lines were like so fitting of like, it's been an honor. Yeah. You know? But yeah, like yeah. I was like, that, that hit me a little bit extra hard than it like probably would have. Yeah. Like if it was, yeah. you know. Anything else, I'd been like, uh, like, oh, I love that character. But now I'm just like, I know. Oh, double sad. I definitely didn't expect him to mm. die, or if so, not that early. <laughs> yeah. Especially, yeah. like I said, it's like, it's 10 minutes after it says in memory of Lance Reddick. I was just like, oh, oh. Yeah. 
Um, oh, I remembered what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I wanted to talk about, A, there's a new bit of Kanye news. Um, oh. Kanye West no longer hates Jewish people because he watched 21 Jump Street and he loves Jonah Hill. So then he said, I no longer hate Jewish people and I shouldn't blame a whole race of people because I don't like two people. Well, thanks for catching up with everybody else. I mean, wow. I still, that was worth him stating. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's good that he's like, Hey guys. Yeah. But like, yeah, the clarification he had to make on that. Yes. It's all because he was like, I love Jonah Hill and I know him and Jonah Hill used to kind of be friends. So, um, I've seen a video of them playing Fanta or uh, connect four with each other way back in the day. Um, you know, and he's like, Hey, and no Christians can be anti-Semitic because they need to remember Jesus was a Jew. And I'm like, okay, well you can't say that. Cause that's also that weird justification of like, you know, that's kind of like the Christian anti-Semitic way of saying, but I've got a black friend, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, by saying, by declaring Christians can't be anti-Semitic. Well, they can be like they, they can. Yeah. They you know, can. so so it's wow. You know, the, so it's still one of those things. It's like, oh, don't go dust off your Kanye records just yet. You know, needs Too to be bad. like actively working to dismantle the message he was spewing for a year. You know, if I start seeing him yeah. doing, That's, you know, like working with Jewish leaders and start actively doing stuff to undo the harm he did. All right. That's fair then. Yeah. That's rehabilitation. You know? Yeah. Or maybe drop an album and talk about how reflective he's been and, you know, how sorry he is about that. And maybe if he explains what's really been going on with him, maybe there's more to this than than that. And maybe this is projected onto something else. You know, maybe this is projected anger, but really there's something else. And maybe if we, even through music, could get to the heart of that. The, that could be something, you know, I'm glad to see him going at least a step in the right direction after what seemed like 20,000 steps backward. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. But hey, we took a step forward. <laughs> he's still got so, a John Wick amount of steps to go up, though. Yeah, man. He's still <laughs> nice. got a way to go. <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's a step, but it's, you know. And I think it'd be really nice if he actually addressed it in regard of what some of it actually is, which is how easy it is to have things be happening in your life and not necessarily be in the best headspace, just in general, I'm not even talking about mental illness, just in general, not being in the right you know frame of mind to, to blame others in general yes. for your own circumstances, for, for just yeah. looking at other people as an other you know, something that's probably affected him in his own life that people have done to him that he was doing to other people, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like the root cause for so many of those things. It's just people, you know, they're, they're having a hard time and just somebody says something that allows them to blame other people and not necessarily, you know, look at themselves or what they're doing in their own life that's causing these problems or looking at just 
not necessarily the things that they're doing in their own life that are causing these problems, but things that have happened to them in their own life to give them these feelings and to have them process these things mentally, whether it's like trauma that's not been processed properly or PTSD in some way, shape, or form. Any number of things that have happened in your life that cause you to process things in this way now, that's bad, you know? And any of those things. So, like, you know, maybe he does end up going that route. That'd be fantastic, you know? But, you know, we'll see. There's no telling with him. Right. Next week, he might say the same shit. Who knows? Yep. (laughs) Yep, who knows? So. There was there was that, and I wanted to briefly talk about the fact that Zachary Levi is more or less blaming Dwayne The Rock Johnson for Shazam 2 sucking. And I'm like, man, I don't give a fuck if The Rock did make a cameo in this movie. It wasn't going to be enough. The movie's still going to suck. Yeah. And it don't matter if you but made a cameo in Black Adam. I am starting Adam. to hear a lot about that. Do what? Oh, well, I was just going to say, sorry, cut you off, but I was just going to say, well, I heard that I'm starting to hear a lot of stuff about that. Like the, all of this, and I need to like confirm some of this stuff, but I, the, the, but the rumors going around, or at least what I've heard some YouTubers and people talk about is that, yeah, basically the rock wanted to sort of overhaul everything to sort of make the black Adam, the central or at least one of the central characters or he, one of the, the central focuses of that whole story. Yes. Um, um, I mean, I can, so, I can break it all down for you. I, I do know what's going on with it. Okay. Well, at least oh, okay. more or less what's going on with it. He wanted the DCEU to be about him and Superman. Not necessarily always constantly fighting. He wanted those two characters to be the main aspects of the DCEU moving forward. Yeah. And so... He and didn't that's where make, that whole hierarchy is about to change mm-hmm. thing came comes from and everything like that. He was going to just completely be like, to hell with what my role actually is or what the Black Adam is and the comics and all of that stuff. It needs to be about just us. And that's crazy. Like, and, and I mean, and the thing is, too, you know what? There's as much fault at DC for this, too, though. The Rock being Black Adam is one of the longest castings in the DCEU. Like, I think he got cast, I want to say, in 2008 as Black Adam. And before they even started this DCEU, he was cast as Black Adam. You waited 14 years to do a movie? Because you're like, man, this Rock guy it was already fairly popular from wrestling. And he was, you know, starting to make more movies and more movies. So they're like, oh, man, this rock guy is going to be a star. Let's cast him. And then he became a megastar. You had saddled him with a B-list villain character and talked it, probably talked that character up because, you know, no matter what The Rock says about being a fan of the Black Adam comics, you know he never fucking read them. And he kept talking, man, Black Adam, big character, going to be great, big character for The Rock. And then he became a megastar. And for a decade, you've been telling him, big star, big, going to be big character. You let him outgrow the role by waiting so damn long. That's a good point. Yeah. And you know what? And that's the thing is like, okay, Shazam appearing as part of the Justice Society 
in the Black Adam movie wouldn't have made a difference. Black Adam was still going to be a bad movie. Having Black Adam cameo at the end of this movie and go, hey, join the Justice Society instead of the two people from, you know, the Task Force X shit. Still going to be a bad movie. Like, neither one of those things were going to change the quality of either one of those movies. Yeah, true. So, can't really blame The Rock for this being a shitty movie because he wasn't in the end credit sequence and because the lead up movie (laughs) What didn't have enough Shazam in it? No, the movie still sucked. Like, I mean, that's like, you know, me getting mad if I go to a sushi restaurant because I wore the wrong shoes. (laughs) That doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, it's it's the weirdest logic. People are jumping on it. Some people are like, yeah, I see how that's a problem. No. Neither one of those two things were going to fix it. And like I said, it was a DC problem from the beginning. They saw yeah, his if you're potential. Hinging, go ahead. I was just going to say, like I said earlier, they saw his potential and they waited. And they were right about his potential. And that's the problem. They saw a potential superstar, like a megastar with him. And they waited. Yeah, I mean, if they're hinging on one scene with a cameo in it to make the movie good, then that's a problem in the first place. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And I just kind of kept hearing, and I don't know, it it sounded like, and maybe this is just what they were, but it almost sounded like they were implying that a lot of changes were made to what was happening with these movies because of him, because of this, idea that he was going to be this one of these central characters a lot of things were changing because of them trying to satisfy him with this direction that they wanted to go so the 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 just and and this these are just youtuber people i'm listening to talk and stuff i was looking for shazam reviews and ran into this kind of stuff but apparently That's sort of the narrative, too. It's not just, well, the cameo stuff, but it's that he was advocating for all sorts of changes that would have, like, ruined these other characters. And they changed the story of Shazam because of his involvement or lack of involvement. Like, apparently it's more than just the cameo scenes, or at least these people are acting like and I think that's sort of the narrative that's being spun. Maybe it's what you're saying, Sterling. It was just about that and these cameos and stuff like that. But people are acting like, no, what The Rock wanted done and some of his demands he were making and some of the things that they were about to do would have completely changed a lot of direction for these characters and stuff like that. And that he was basically trying to blow the whole shit up and make it about him and Superman is what they're acting like. But but again, I don't know how true any of that is. No, some of that is true. The original Shazam 2 was supposed to have Black Adam as the villain. The original, like, plan. I'm not saying even original script. Mm -hmm. Original plan. Okay. That's still too late. He's already still star. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, And the thing is, too... But it's like you said, he got too big for that. He can't just be another villain that 
Shazam and Superman defeat or whatever they were going to do. Though, that would have been still freaking badass to see Black Adam, to see Rock fighting Henry Cavill and (laughs) Zachary Levi. Still would have kind of been badass, but, you know. Like you said, well, he had outgrown it. He needed to be a central character at this point. At some point, I know, like I said, they cast him, I think, technically in 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. At some point, they should have just scrapped him and gone, hey, like, we can't, you know, give you the movie that you want with that character. You know what I mean? Like, they should have scrapped yeah. it. Instead of trying to still yeah, make it a thing. Have. I mean, the thing is, is... People can say whatever they want. That's The Rock's brand, though. Being the big guy, being the main attraction in the movie, all this other stuff. That's The Rock's brand. And he's love a bigger star it. than all those guys now. Yeah, love it or hate it. That's his brand. And more people love it than they hate it. That's the way it is. And, you know, DC's the one that just kind of allowed it to be a thing. You know what I mean? Like... You can't go, hey, Rock, we still want to do this. We're actually going to make your movie now. And then have it be what the Black Adam should have been, which is a B-list villain. You can't have Dwayne The Rock Johnson Mm -hmm. at peak popularity be a B-lister. Yeah. Yeah. You know? that's And, you know, if you're going to get mad at The Rock for it, I mean, like I said, that's his brand. And I'm not even saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying. Love it or hate it, that's what it is. And like I said, more people love it than they hate it. And DC wanted to wanted to keep it. And they shouldn't have. And if they actually cared about the quality of their movies and their whole franchise as a whole, they wouldn't have kept it. That's just the way it is. You know? I mean, because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be sustainable. Like, and it shows kind of why they needed James Gunn. Like, it shows why they needed it. They were just doing some shit, man. And whatever people liked the most, that was the shit they were going to kind of keep doing. And they were just going to do some more shit. And they were going to try to build a universe off like eight failed movies and three successful movies. You know, so anyway, that's all I got. Those were the things I wanted to talk about at the beginning that I forgot about and then remembered halfway through the podcast. (laughs) So we done? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out.